Well, I wish it were Larry Kudlow, but you are stuck with me, David Bonson, for the next hour. It's a great privilege to be sitting in for my pal, Larry. I've been a guest on the show many, many times, uh, but now today I'm going to sit in Larry's seat, so to speak, for the next hour and uh, really looking forward to being with you. Lots to say, lots going on in the in the markets, in the economy. Uh, lots happening in that kind of crazy uh, uh, path between Washington, D.C. and markets. We're going to talk about some of that as well. Um, just real briefly, I said my name is David Bonson. I run a private wealth management firm called the Bonson Group. I've been blessed to know Larry uh, for many years now, consider him one of my dearest friends, uh, mentor, advisor, and to be totally honest, a hero. Absolutely adore him and grateful for everything he has done. Uh, always love being on this show. And one of the reasons is we have a chance to talk about markets in an objective way, talk about politics, to be happy warriors together. Uh, th- there's a lot this week that you could say uh, could make somebody unhappy. Some frustrating things in policy, uh, some challenging things in market, but uh, those things are not going to get us down today because we're going to work through them rationally and figure out where we go from here. Let me start with the thing that uh, I believe challenges my happiness the most these days as a market watcher. Um, I never mind market volatility. It's part of the the life I chose. Um, But I will tell you this, the obsession, uh, the central role that the Federal Reserve has uh, taken on in the economy, the sort of deification that we as a society so often do, looking to them as if they have this kind of godlike capability to manage the economy, the notion that one man's speech on one day in one place, and I refer, of course, to Fed Chair Jerome Powell yesterday in Jackson Hole, that it would be just so incredibly important to the economic affairs of our country, it bothers me. Now, some could say, does it bother you that people think it's so important or does it bother you that it is so important? And I guess the answer to that is yes. Um, I don't believe people get it right in terms of how important the matters of the Fed really are. I think we overrate the significance of the aspects that they can control. And I don't mean to what could happen in the stock market on a given day. Certainly the Fed has plenty of input and the way financial speculators might run things up or run things down. they uh, Even beyond speculators, they can have a big control and cost of capital, and that's obviously a huge input in how assets are priced and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think people are right to believe that the way in which we fundamentally and ultimately view economic health should start or end with the Fed. I think that those of us who believe in free enterprise, uh, those of us who believe that the greatest path to prosperity is indeed through a market economy, something Larry has been saying for many, many years, um, that we ignore what ultimately drives economic activity, which of course is free humans operating to meet the needs of humanity with their own self-interest at play as well, that there is a creativity, there is an innovation, there is a productive spirit embedded in mankind, and really wonderful things happen when we remove impediments to mankind producing 
So the supply of goods and services drives economic activity. Earnings, ultimately, you know, profits, as Larry calls them, the mother's milk of the market. The, the, these things ultimately drive greater results in economy, creating more wealth and prosperity for more people. And, of course, the Fed's going to have an impact in the way a lot of these things go with liquidity and with money supply and with cost of capital. But you ultimately need humans to be incentivized to go produce. And the reality is that the Fed is overrated in how that process works. I also am frustrated, not just by the perception of the Fed, but the fact that there is now a role for the Fed uh, that is accepted very often, really quite frequently by people on the right, certainly by people on the left. And there used to be this idea that it was Wall Street, it was the media, it was the Beltway. But I even think sometimes it's too often Main Street that is looking for the Fed to kind of fix problems. Like, okay, well, we're having a little economic slowdown, so what kind of magic potion can you throw on this that's going to solve everything? And, of course, the reality is when things get a little tough, sometimes you have minor economic slowdown in the ebb and flow of the way uh, an economy works. There are things the Fed can do to produce a sugar high. It's just that then you have to come off of it. And the more of a sugar high we look for, the harder it's going to be to come off of it and the more entrenched our dependency on those things gets. And we've been living through a moment like this for a good portion of my adult life. I think this is really, in a lot of ways, the legacy of Alan Greenspan and most certainly his predecessors carried it on, excuse me, his successors carried it on, that there is this notion that the Fed needs to try to keep the good times going and solve for anything that could be slowing down jobs at all times, but also solve for things that could damage asset markets. And so where we find ourselves right now is the Fed, uh, I'm not even talking about inflation right now. I'm not talking about consumer prices being higher because I'm not even convinced that the biggest cause of that was a low interest rate. I just, we had low interest rates for seven, eight years. Well, first of all, we had zero interest rates seven or eight years after the financial crisis. But it stayed very, very low all the way through. We've had 15 years of very low rates Inflation really jumped up, you know, in the last year and a half or so. What I would argue is that the biggest input we have had to deal with out of the Fed, the biggest result, is the idea that we are entitled to low cost of capital forever. So housing uh, market has become completely dependent on very low rates. Um, and in the stock market, there has been way too much focus on people just saying, look, we can borrow so low and just kind of leverage up investing in other assets that we basically know are doing well. And we'll generate our return by taking advantage of a low cost of capital that the Fed's given us, as opposed to going out and producing new things, producing new goods and services, being incentivized to go out and create wealth. And, and I think the Fed has sort of facilitated in its effort to supposedly paper over problems in the economy. The Fed has essentially um, created a dependency on what it's doing that has allowed a lot of economic growth to metastasize. And that's why you've dealt with sub 
subpar, suboptimal, well below trend economic growth now ever since the financial crisis. When Larry Kudlow was in Ronald Reagan's White House, you had a recession near the beginning of Reagan's term that then resulted in a recovery, and that recovery was for the history books. Now, of course, you had massive reduction in marginal tax rates. You had deregulation. You had American energy independence, not that we achieved independence then, but you pursued greater role for American energy producers. And uh, the, the kind of trifecta of supply-side policy there resulted in the greatest recovery that we had seen post-war. And even if you don't look to that extraordinary example of the way all economic recovery ought to look like, real GDP growth at 5 6 7%, not 0 1 or 2%, even if you don't look at that as the standard um, averaging all of the post-war recoveries, we generally have gotten, if not 6 7 4 or 5 Yet out of the financial crisis, with the Fed doing the most it's ever done in history to facilitate economic recovery, we were sitting there somewhere around one and a half to two percent. And I believe a big part of the reason is the diminishing return that you just the Fed keeps pouring support and pouring stimulus and just cannot continue to go. The sugar high gets less and less robust, and yet at some point the piper has to be paid. And now here we are in a moment where the Fed is trying to normalize and financial markets say, well, wait a second, we don't know what to do. Do I really care if the Fed funds rate is at three or three and a half percent? I prefer it. I don't want a zero percent Fed funds rate that distorts markets, that totally uh, alters our ability to adjudicate what an investment might really be worth. I don't think it is healthy for an economy to be dependent on emergency measures all the time. When you're constantly in an emergency state of mind, it's really hard to act as if things are normal. It hurts sentiment. It hurts optimism. It hurts growth and prosperity to be in emergency provisions all the time. And so you say, well, why would the market then be going down at the concept of a three to three and a half percent Fed funds rate? The market's volatility is because of the uncertainty the Fed's created. Will it come right back down? Will they rate? Will they uh, hike rates more? Nobody knows. It isn't so much what the Fed's doing. It's the instability that is created, that instability that comes from such a high deified role of the Fed in the economy. So that bothers me. And then you get into a moment like yesterday, and I just want to make a couple comments about, uh, you know, certainly the Dow did end up dropping thousand points. There was an acceleration of selling in the final hour. That is generally the case going into a weekend. But let me tell you the stat of the market yesterday that should be most telling to you. Before any part of his transcript, any part of Powell's speech, before the markets were really awake, the 10-year bond yield yesterday was at 3.03%. When Powell was done, the Dow was done, Friday was done, and we were over with markets for the weekend, the 10-year bond yield was at 3.03%. The two-year, exact same story, 3.38 before, 3.38 after. That inversion of the yield curve was 35 basis points. That was the case before and after. 
So Powell's speech had such a profound impact on markets that it caused the bond market, which is actually pricing these things that Powell is most directly talking about, future growth, future inflation expectations, future rates, rate hikes, rate hike expectations, all these things, it moved it not a whit. And yet, of course, equity markets uh, sold off. Perhaps the selling off had a lot more to do with traders guessing on what other traders would be doing as opposed to the fundamentals of what it means to have a Fed funds rate going higher, which I have to think every man, woman, and child in the country knew was the case before Powell ever spoke. So the Jackson Hole speech definitely had an impact on stock market. Uh, the Dow, by the way, was down a little over 4% on the week. The NASDAQ was down 4.5% on the week, but is down almost 8% since it's August 15th high. So not even two weeks ago, the NASDAQ's down close to 8%. Both Dow and NASDAQ still way up from where they were at their June bottoms. But the final thing I want to say about the markets before we kind of wrap up this monologue is that energy was up on the week. The XLE, the kind of index fund for the U.S. energy sector, started the week near $79 a share, ended near 83 My favorite little uh, uh, barometer of the pipeline space, the oil and gas pipelines, which I think have such an important role to play for how we grow U.S. energy infrastructure, how we get ready to export liquefied natural gas to Europe and Asia and other exciting growth opportunities that we ought to be doing and need the Biden administration to get out of the way, need a regulatory environment that doesn't try to keep this from happening. But UMI, uh, a, a kind of index for the midstream energy sector, started the week in the low 35s, ended in the mid 35s. And that's in a week where the markets were down four or 5%. So energy has continued to be kind of a contrarian side to what's going on. You have energy prices going higher. Profits are good in the midstream and upstream sector. And yet we continue to find ourselves um, dealing with all this uncertainty in the broad market and in the real speculative uh, kind of, you know, higher valuation areas, I think frothier parts of the market in the NASDAQ and in the tech space, they, they continue to be quite vulnerable. At one point, of course, we're, we're off more than 30% from highs. They're still down today over 20%. And, and so we see where things go. We'll, we'll dig into some of the details of those things with some of the guests we're going to be bringing on here over the next hour. Um, but I think that what we have really got to wrap our arms around is that the Fed uh, has taken on too big of a role in the American economy. And the bigger the role the Fed has and the bigger the role that Washington, D.C. has, the um, less role that private industry has, that private markets, the private sector, and ultimately the most productive parts of the economy where the most rational allocation of capital takes place. What we want is a healthy private sector. There will be losses. There will be pain. There will be things that work, things that don't. But you will have the most efficient distribution of risk and reward that the world's ever seen in the private sector. And the more power we put with central planners, the more authority we put with bureaucrats, with those who, as Hayek taught us, lack the knowledge and, as we intuitively know, lack the incentives. 
to ultimately steward the affairs of the economy. So my hope is for a lesser role for a Fed and a greater role for private markets. I'm David Bonson. I'm here filling in today for my pal, Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back with you very shortly. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 